0: Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens.
1: I'm Christina Roberts.
0: I'm Chris Roberts.
1: I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It is great to be with you today. We are taking some time to talk about a topic that's somewhat new to me. I feel like it has been in the background of my life, but it has suddenly come up in new and exciting ways this notion of interspirituality. And I'm pulling some information today, in case you're interested, from a book called An Interspiritual Path from the New Monasticism and then colon, an interspiritual manifesto for contemplative living. And if you are wanting to check that out, it's written by Rory McEnfee and Adam Buco. So just a little bit of background. The way that they talk about it historically is that it all started with these interfaith conversations, which actually seem to go back to the late 1800s, where people were willing to get in a room, talk about their faith, And even if your faith was different than mine, to sit there, be respectful and just be together, if you will. But then as time has gone on, there is sort of an evolving process to this thing called interspirituality where they talk about interspirituality as sharing our faith experiences, not just talking about them, but inviting people in to a faith experience that we have in our tradition and saying, I would love for you to come and join me. So it's experiential in a spiritual way, not just conversation. So maybe I'll just take a pause there. What do you guys, what is your experience with all of this?
2: Yeah, I think this is also, I would say, a newer topic for me, and especially the terminology of interspiritual as opposed to interfaith. And I think sometimes, at least in some of our pr- previous training, there was um, definitely we studied like world religions when I, I went to school, Bible college, etc. But it was more from a, like a, a heady intellectual comparative type of a thing where you're dissecting what's different about our faiths and what are the almost like what's wrong with the other person and what's right with us type of a frame. And so in more recent years, I think revisiting this idea of interspirituality, again, not from a heady place or an argumentative place, but from, wow, there is so much that we have in common. And I would say probably about eight years ago, Chris was involved with um, a group of Muslim students at the university and having some interfaith dialogue between and the starting point was, what are the similarities between the two faiths and religions, which was just so fascinating. So So I'm glad that we're diving into this topic today.
0: I have had some experience with what I would consider to be interfaith. And a lot of that seemed to center around sort of deconstructing their own faith tradition. And so it's like you bring up sort of the negative aspects of how you've been in a tradition for your whole life. And then after discussing all that, you get around to how do you want to move forward? But I really like how this frame of interspiritual from the get-go says, We're talking about these experiences, these positive experiences that we're having that are transformative. And so I really like coming from that angle.
1: Yes, you guys are bringing up um, another word that comes up a lot, or two words actually, perennial wisdom. This notion of shared common core spirituality, things that are shared from tradition to tradition. And so I am with you. I feel like I have never enjoyed... Being like, you over there, and this is what's wrong with you, and, and and this kind of fighty feeling. We've talked a lot about the no us versus them in my faith circles. This seems to bring that alive in a new sort of a way that I can really, we can bless one another, experience one another's faith traditions together, which is so great.
2: Chris, maybe just to add to that, I, I do appreciate deconstructing faith with people from other faith traditions. And so a, a neighbor of ours comes to mind who, uh, he's originally from India, and he currently is a doctor here in the United States, and just wrestling with some of his Hindu upbringing that he no longer ascribes to, and some of the justice issues and things like that, because he came from uh, a wealthier family, higher caste system, et cetera. And yet there's something in him that doesn't want to just shed all of his Hindu background because there's cultural aspects to that as well. And so talking to my Hindu neighbor about his experiences and what's the core of some of these Hindu beliefs, et cetera, that I can still ascribe to really helps me as well from my faith tradition. And so I like how you're saying, Chris, that, that we can come together with commonness I think, Christina, you're highlighting that, but also as we're deconstructing, sometimes it's refreshing to hear someone deconstruct from a faith that's very different from mine because it maybe highlights some blind spots that I otherwise would have missed.
1: Mirabai Starr, she gives a talk that's become, I think, pretty famous now, uh, The Bees in the Garden. And so she talks a lot about this, I want to be like the bee, I want to go and find the nectar, right? But I know what is poisonous, and I avoid... So there is an element of that, even in the interspiritual conversation of looking around and saying, this is good, and it brings fruit and love into the world. And so actually, this woman I know uh, she was saying not too long ago that her personal definition for the contemplative is extending love and receiving love. And so that all sort of fits into this framework as well, I think. Uh, so in this book and in, in a particular aspect, so right early on, like pages 26 through probably 30, they go through four ways to be interspiritual. And this, I think, really lit me up because it meant that so many people can participate from wherever they're at it's not exclusionary uh, which goes back to that no us versus them i'm sure but so maybe i'll like give a couple and then we can chat about them and then i'll give a couple more and they progress in terms of how much you would probably need to know in order to do them anyways one way that they talk about is choosing a wisdom tradition or having grown up in a wisdom tradition like this is where you are strongest you fly you know the most you're there you would say like oh in my case maybe i hail from christianity i grew up in that i've studied the bible a lot but i would view other faith traditions as legitimate as well and so that's like one possible way another way would be to have strong roots in a tradition but branching out and they call it to drink deeply from the wisdom of other traditions what experience might you have with that? Like, how do you interpret that?
0: I think, first of all, you have to be around other people from different faith traditions to even begin to have these types of discussions. I think we like to run in our own circles, right? What is going to get me out of my own circle? Sometimes we're forced into it by having neighbors or these relationships that occur in work or whatever. But I think a lot of people don't go looking for these types of relationships. And I think, first of all, Uh, The first piece I would say is, how would one go about looking for an experience or a person who could bring in a different perspective from a different faith tradition? I think that's the first step. I mean, before you get there, you know, I'm getting all this wisdom from Rumi or whatever great Islamic teacher or spiritual guru. Before that, you have to find individuals uh, that you you would want to do life with. Or share your experiences. So that's what comes up for me.
2: Yeah, I think that's valid, Chris. And I would say maybe it's the neighbor, it's the coworker. Maybe if you're extroverted, it's that. Um, maybe it is a book or a podcast. And I think I'll be honest. I think sometimes people that I am, um, you know, myself or people in, in my circle, there can tend to be a pause or a hesitation, like almost like, is it okay to? read this particular book or listen to this particular person are some questions that arise. And I don't know if that, again, that comes from a fear of, am I going to like go down some road and become a heretic? And so I would say that in our, in our church community and my companioning community, this is a very relevant conversation and helping people to try, like just try this book, try this podcast, try this, this, uh, a poem, you know, you're mentioning Rumi, see what resonates. And if you feel like this is a little bit too much for me, or I'm a little bit too uncomfortable, then then that's fine. That That's not where you're at right now. But I think for me, I think being exposed to some of these different spirituality, I think sometimes can come through other means besides people, but I think people's awesome because then you have kind of that relational aspect as well that you're highlighting.
1: Yeah. I appreciate what you're saying because this, as soon as I started reading these things and I started realizing how much it resonated with me, I was instantly afraid that who would accept me if I start having this conversation? Who's willing to, to talk about all of this with me? And so, and I started with my husband and the first place that we we were at was, well, what about that space where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the light? It took me, I paused and I was like, well, Jesus also says, I am the bread of life. And what does that mean? <laughs> so, philosophy. We were immediately in philosophy. Uh, But even with this notion of how do I drink from, how do I take one thing and drink it in deeply? And I don't have this book right in front of me, so I'm afraid I'll mess everything up. But there's another book, Spiritual Foundations, written by Beverly Lanzetta. And she has a page. It's beautifully illustrated, first of all. And she did that intentionally. And so she has this arc of different types of prayer practices, meditation practices from different traditions. And so one is Zazen, which is Buddhism. And there's like a Visana and there was centering prayer from Christianity. And the one from the Jewish tradition, I'm forgetting, starts with an H. Uh, But then she goes through and kind of briefly talks through each of them. And as I read these descriptions, I realized, oh, wait a second this like zazen is exactly what they talk about when they talk about focusing on your breathing Uh, the loving kindness meditation is called something else uh in the book as well and i don't have it right in front of me so i'm gonna i won't even try but i'm starting to realize some of these things have been introduced into my life and nobody really specifically told me its roots even loving kindness meditations. Turns out there's another way to say it, metta. Or, and so I've now heard like three different things that loving kindness meditations could be called. But in the Western world, somehow it came to us packaged as a certain thing so that we would take advantage of it, really. <laughs> and that allows me to realize that, oh, I am doing this. I am drinking deeply from another faith tradition in some particular way.
2: And Christina, I would add to that. I think sometimes when we're hearing a phrase from a different faith tradition, we recognize, like you're saying, it is actually in my faith tradition, but it's tucked away in the Psalms or in Lamentations or something that I've missed. And I think for me personally, when I'm um, having conversations or exposed to different ideas, it, it's like, oh my gosh, that is totally in my Christian faith. And how come I haven't seen that before? Like Again, the highlighter has been on these verses, but not on these verses. And it expands my own faith tradition. So rather than taking me away from Christianity or some of my roots, it actually, in my experience, has strengthened that and made that stronger and deeper.
1: Yeah, I think that that is another thing that gets highlighted in this conversation. So I'm glad that you brought it up. So maybe I'll cover these other two ways that one can be interspiritual. So a third way is you see yourself as legitimately belonging to multiple religions and fully embedding yourself in multiple religions. I don't know. So I I was sharing with Christina at one point, the best I could imagine, like I've had friends that are both Jewish and then Christian, right? They grew up in a Jewish household and they very much celebrate the Jewish holidays and they came into being like Christian pastors, actually, right? And so they celebrate all that is available in Christianity. Uh, but now I'm starting to meet like Christians that are Buddhist. So that is one way. And then the fourth way is this idea that there is no one faith tradition that you ascribe to, but rather you hold a belief that each of the faith traditions hold a larger piece of the puzzle or a smaller piece of a larger puzzle. So, each of these has a little piece and they all contribute to one greater thing. And they're very careful when they write about this to say this is not picking and choosing, just like oh I like this and I like this. They feel like people should have spiritual directors, like people that they are held accountable to. They hold it with a lot of I guess what I might call fear and trembling, like reverence, awe. Um, so those are the the final two, the drinking from multiple traditions, and then kind of having this conglomerate experience of, I think what we were talking about before, the nectar from each of the faith traditions.
2: Yeah, I think to your point, Christina, I know lots of people that have grown up in a multi-religious home. And so if you have a Hindu mom and a Jewish dad, I'm thinking of a family that I know in that situation, and their nanny was actually Christian. And so these two little kids from birth were being exposed to three very different religions. And, you know, so at Christmas time, they would do this or for Hanukkah, etc. And so I think when one is growing up in that environment, it I think there's a natural organic way too in which we're seeing that in family structures that it's not I'm Catholic, I marry Catholic, our children are baptized Catholic you marry Catholic and you repeat. I don't think that's the landscape anymore in which we're living. So I think it makes sense that even from birth, people would grow up with multiple religious experiences in their household.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's the landscape that we're in nowadays. I think it was easier whenever you lived in a community, a smaller community that sort of repeated itself over and over again for generations. With everything being so global and people traveling and and moving to different places, I think we're being exposed to a lot of different experiences. And so I think something that comes to my mind, and I was actually shocked, uh, this was a number of years ago, but I heard a sister say, "I, I come from a Catholic tradition, but I drink deeply of all the traditions. I'm not even sure what I think of all the different traditions. I'm like, "What? You're not sure about what you think about your upbringing or you're not sure what you Think about your Christian faith. That's exactly what she meant. I think she she's gotten to a place in her life where, first of all, she's the most loving person that I think I've ever come into contact with, and she just receives people so openly. From that perspective, like, how can I be that open to other individuals? Is inspiring. You know, somebody that says I'm not sure about my own faith, I'm not sure about other faiths, but I drink deeply of all of them, and I want to continue to move forward. Uh, drinking deeply of other relationships. And I think that's that's inspiring to me. Like, how can I have an openness to other people and radiate such love for, and acceptance for them? Um, so that's what comes to mind as we're talking about the nectar of all these different faith traditions.
2: Thinking uh, about when when two people get married you have your own family upbringing, et cetera, but you're receiving in another family's tradition and personality and experiences. And I think the hope is that that enriches you and helps to inform then your family, et cetera. And so, again, I think there's a lot of wisdom to that openness with also the understanding that we all have different comfort levels with that. And I appreciate that you're kind of naming Christina, this isn't, you know, the cafeteria spirituality where we're just picking and choosing this sounds good. This sounds good. This is hard. I want to get rid of that. Like there's parts of my faith tradition that are difficult, but I'm committed to my faith tradition and I'm willing to work through some of those hard spots. And some of them, I don't have answers to and I have to sit with the question. And when I go to other places, it's not so that I can then, you know, um, walk away or cut and paste and choose, but Okay, I, I, I'm still sitting with some of those mysteries of my faith that I don't understand. And that's okay. And so, so yeah, I, I appreciate that it's not some pluralistic, pick and choose cafeteria thing that we're talking about. But I, if I'm hearing you, it's actually going even deeper and being even a little bit more rooted, if, if, which kind of seems the opposite. But I think that's what I'm hearing you say.
1: I'm, from everything that I'm seeing, there is a sense of deep respect, right, for the spiritual self, the the deepest core of who one is. And, and I think a few things have been named that are really helpful, too. They do talk about this notion of some people are born into it because of, right, I had a mom that was this way and a dad that was this way and, and a nanny adding a third. That's fabulous. Uh, and then others seem to describe kind of like this this nun that you knew of, I just can't help it, right? I experience the divine in all these places and I can't deny that I'm experiencing that. Something lights up and resonates and when I am in any space, I just right, it's sort of like that conversation about the thin spaces even, right? I find the divine there and I can't help but acknowledge that which I find so exciting again, because it, I think for years I did live in a fear-based, if you don't get it right, somehow you're in trouble, and to live into this freedom of the divine is everywhere. And it seems to create, it seems to bring out even more, as best I can tell, that this connectedness to other people only grows stronger in this type of a practice And not even just to other people, there seems to be a real sense of um, connection to all living things. It seems to broaden and broaden as you deepen in it. You guys, thank you for having this conversation. I am just like overflowing with these ideas lately, so I'm glad that we could process them here and hopefully we'll be able to keep talking about it as time goes on. Well, this is the point in our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into. What have you guys been into lately?
0: Well, I have been into embracing fall, so we uh, have been going on walks and we're seeing a little bit of color in the trees and the bushes. And I'm surrounded by people that are like, oh, I don't I, I don't want summer to end. Uh, I'm not ready for the colder temperatures. I find that I am looking forward to a little bit cooler weather. I'm looking forward to some of the color that's going to start popping in our trees and uh, I just having gratitude for fall that's coming.
2: Well, I will continue on that fall theme. I am also into kind of the the fall energy. And I feel like there's something in society, maybe it's because school's starting and people want to do fall deep cleaning because they're getting out their sweaters and swapping out their swimsuits and things like that. So I've just been kind of loving the fall energy and I think I'm most looking forward to getting wood chopped and beginning and and we're not quite ready for the fireplace probably not hopefully for another month or so but kind of eager to begin some of those traditions so I am also into fall energy.
1: I love it fall is my favorite season and to go along with the fall season so I am into windows because when we moved into our new home we discovered that our windows needed to be replaced and um, one of the not so fancy features of our old windows was that there were blinds Inside the window pane, so it was always very difficult to see so They were really close together and there was always this kind of like scooting up and down to see out in the windows So we now have some new windows in and we're just loving looking outside and Seeing for real what is out there and we have marveled like these leaves are gonna turn colors And it's gonna snow and we're gonna be able to look at it It's gonna be so beautiful to continue the fall theme with a really great lens so to speak is what I'm into. Well, thank you everyone for being with us. If you are looking for more resources, we invite you to check out the contemplative life.net. And if you have a moment, we would love for you to rate us on iTunes and so other people can find us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.